Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the All New 52 Podcast. This is episode 62, and I'm your host, Joe Schrimmer. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Caleb Bunn. Shouldn't it be issue 62? Oh, it's not even 62. <laughs> it's 63. Oh, no. Dang it. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Numbers are meaningless. Welcome to our unending professionalism. <laughs> uh, we talk about comics on this podcast, from the new to the old. So I don't know what era this is from. Judging from the spine, it looks more like a more recent collection. But Caleb, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Selena's Big Score by Darwin Cook um, with, I believe, Matt Hollingsworth was the colorist who he has worked on several books that we've read, Curse of the White Knight and Hawkeye as well. Mm. But the big star here is Darwin Cook. You say that and it makes so much sense now. Curse of the White Knight, I was like, Really? Oh no, yeah, that that lines up. That tracks. But yeah, it is it is written and uh drawn by Darwin Cook, who was a writer who uh was an illustrator for a while, was an animator for a little while, came into comics in the two thousands. Uh he worked on Batman the animated series, was friends with Bruce Tim, and that kind of got his foot in the door eventually to start writing for DC. He wrote a little bit for indie stuff and Marvel as well. But he tragically died in 2016 from cancer, and so he only had about 16 years of actually writing comics, which is fairly short when you consider most of what he was writing was kind of one-shots, mm-hmm. or he was drawing a series. But he's especially known for Justice League New Frontier, um, and he did a, a Catwoman run with Ed Brubaker, which is kind of kind of how this started. He wanted to write kind of an in-between before his his and Brubaker's Catwoman run with tying into some of the kind of year one aspects of the character. It's not quite like an alternate universe. It's more of like a, like you said, a one shot. Yeah. It's just like completely separate. Yeah. From uh, DC proper, Gotham proper. Well, it's very pulpy. It's very grounded. Mm-hmm. So she isn't in. And it's also Catwoman. So it's very easy to yeah. do that. So like you have elements of Gotham stuff like you have um you have the Falcone family in here you have mentions of Batman but she's not even in cost- costume for most of this it's really just like a pulpy heist type comic yeah which is about as much of a synopsis as you can really give about it well it's a big score yeah it's uh of Selena's <laughs> yeah Selena's down on her luck she uh she had to fake her death and her last couple jobs haven't worked out. You hate it when that happens. Yeah, you know, but she also has just $10,000 in a box just sitting in a pawn shop. So, I mean, you know, that's a little nest egg. Yeah. That's not going to get you very far without a consistent income. True. Um, and so she goes back to Gotham to find a job. There is a, um, a woman who is uh, the companion of one of the Falcone uh, crime family members. And so she has some details on this job. She wants to hit it big so she can get out of out of the game. Um, and so tells Catwoman about this. Catwoman likes the idea of it. So she goes back to recruit an old flame, flame of hers named uh, Stark, who him and uh, one of the other characters in this, kind of like their tech guy, comes from an earlier uh, story that, um, Darwin Cook had written. Okay, so they're not original to this. This was the first time they were published because that story hadn't made it to print yet. Interesting. Yeah, it was It was one of the things he wrote with Bruce Tim that DC didn't want to do. And then later, they were like, hey, can you write us something? He's like, well, I have, I have it already. <laughs> he rewrote it and stuff. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, and then 
tied into all this, there is a private detective who I believe is from the Catwoman series named Slam Bradley, who kind of gets caught up in this. Um, and, you know, Selena puts the charm on him, so he doesn't want to bust her, but also he is a private detective, so he's he's not involved with the score. He's like an extra, extra wrench to throw in. But yeah, the score happens, and uh, spoiler alert, everybody dies except for Selena and Slam. <laughs> It's, it's it's such an easy one shot. It's like it never happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That being said, though, I thoroughly enjoy this. I think it's like such a fun neo noir type story. Mm-hmm. Let's move into the art. This has a unique art style. To I think just about separate from like everything we've discussed so far. I don't think there's anything quite like it in all these episodes we've done so far. Ah, uh, I think David A. is the art. Art is kind of pulling from the same. The same sources. It's got a kind of, you can tell from like the cover where it has a very funny looking Batman on the front where he like, he almost looks like a kid. Everybody's got these very young rounded looks to them that is changing scale pretty consistently too, to where if, if it's, if it's packed in a tight frame with everybody, they're a lot smaller. They're, they're more squashed and stuff. But then when it's, uh, like a wide shot or something or an introduction shot, like Selena will be getting out of a car or something and she's, she's long again. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of chibi art style. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Cause like to me, the obvious pool for this is that Darwin cook is doing like a retro fifties style. Mm-hmm. Um, not even fifties comic books, just like fifties, um, like graphic design. Yeah. And so we have a lot of geometric shapes, a lot of like very, uh, everything's painted a lot of, heavy shadowing and stuff like that. And everyone, it, it really comes down to, he's very good at like, he'll show characters within uh, sequential panels, like same shot, but he's very good at getting minute details. However, it really comes down to like the most simple shape this person can fit into. So like a lot of his uh, background, like mob type characters are just beans. Mm-hmm. Like, and then Selena obviously is like the hyper, like feminized hourglass figure, stuff like that. Um, and then a lot of his male characters are this very masculine, like rectangle, very hard square shape. And all this kind of comes together to create, I will agree, Darwin Cook has a very unique and, in my opinion, a very uh, fun retro art style. But also, he's really good at panel layouts here. He never does anything like that big, but his, like, the simple use of this is going to be a 12 page lay or a 12 panel page. This is going to be like three panels and then we're going to have one big one in the middle. All that stuff uh, affects the pacing really well. And I think oh, yeah. you can get to that from like his animation background. I also just love all the action in this. So I, I love Darwin Cook. I, I, I'm going to gush. <laughs> it's very easy to see like in between shots for this. You can easily see this being like a DC animated short. Yeah, that like they throw up on their YouTube or something. God, I wish they did. They did the new Frontier movie, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But man, I would love to see them adapt some of his other stuff too. But yeah, my only complaint about the art is the shifting scale of things, which it's not a big deal because it's, it's clear it's intentional. But it's yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, consistency is, yeah. my, is a is a key point of mine. Yeah. Oh, I also just love how he does environments where he'll have like a bunch of, whenever he's introducing a new location, he'll have just a bunch of small environmental shots. And then in the middle or off to the side, it will have a black panel that has the location name. He also does this with characters. Mm-hmm. Um, the scale, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely one of those 
things where he's going for a vibe more yeah. of that. So if if you're looking for more, I guess, realism in your comic, definitely not the guy to go to. Well, you know, realism is that's not something I'm. It's a comic book. I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not trying to get a one to one representation. Realism, of life. realism being like a scale. Yeah, right? it, like scale is something a lot of people struggle with a lot of the time, and it's clear he knows what he's doing with it. He's just playing with it. Yeah. And like, um, and I don't want it to sit like it's, it's not really a detractor. It's, it's just a distractor for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think Hollingsworth is a great pair with him doing the colors on here as well. It, um, it fits the vibe that they're going for. Yeah. Like, lots of, lots of dark colors, mm-hmm. but also he brightens up. My only negative is that a lot of the times his characters can look very samey. Yes. And as like, Slam looks a lot like Stark. Uh, this kid, I think his name's Jimmy or Jesse, the the tech guy. He looks a lot like Selena because they both have like short black hair. Mm-hmm. They get over this by having usually different outfits, or they're just on the same scenes. But you can see you can see the common DNA between all these characters, and sometimes it can be a little samey. Mm-hmm. You want to roll over into positives? Yeah, you start I, it. Well, so Darwin Cook to me. Like he's such a distinctive artist, and most of what he did in comics was covers or pencils or stuff like that. So it's easy to just for me to just put all my positives in the art section. But I think that's really detracting from the fact that he is a very good storyteller. He his characters are all very, uh, especially in this story, they're all very complicated. They're all very morally gray. He doesn't shy away from having bad people in his stories, which is the whole point of noir. It's the whole point of like pulpy uh, detective stories and stuff. Is that you can have people on the right side of the law, but that doesn't make them good people. Yeah. You can have people on the bad side of the law, and you know that doesn't mean you can't root for them. So I think I think that complication with his character, and also just we're never gonna read his other Batman stuff because it's all like one shots, but. He also is not precious about Batman. He'll lean into Batman being a terrible person. Like the one shot that has Stark in it, Batman's just like a slasher villain in it. It's mm-hmm. great. Um, and like they're bad guys in it. So it's fine that Batman's hunting them. But like for someone for a character that he loves so much, to be able to come into it and be like, no, I'm gonna view this character as a, I can view this character as a complicated bad person, I think is really like it, it brings a certain level of maturity that I think comes from when he came into comics because he did not, he was not a young buck. He was not like a Chris Claremont or a Brian Michael Bendis who was like there and then aged as they wrote. This guy was already well into his life when he started writing comics. And I think, I feel like you can see that in the maturity of his characters. I think the overall score is just fun. It's kind of, you know, you ask, what do you do with a Selena Kyle uh, like solo series? First thing that comes to mind, you have her do a heist. Like yeah. it's kind of the it's kind of the easy thing to do, but it's fine. It works, and it's just it's a fun ride the entire way through. It's a little confusing with like the uh, changing perspectives that they go through, um, but overall it is fun seeing like Selena gather up the crew and then like you know it all inevitably go kaboom in their faces. But yeah, because out of the kind of it's kind of a expected. I, it wouldn't be an interesting story if they just got what they wanted, or you have the twists and turns. Yeah, and I mean, more honestly, and this is a, this is a very uh, like treasure of the Sierra Madre type ending. Selena gets the score 
but she doesn't get what she needs. Yeah. The monkey's paw. Yeah, yeah. It's that thing where it's like, it's like the Maltese Falcon, right? Like you can go after the Maltese Falcon, but like it's just an object. It's mm-hmm. a fake. Like <laughs> you can fight and bite and kill over this stuff, but at the end of the day, like all the money in the world isn't gonna isn't gonna amount to much if you have a bullet in your head by the end of it. Yeah. I really like that you can I really like that this is a story set in the DC universe very firmly. Like, you know, you have characters referencing very naturally, I'd say, referencing like Superman and stuff like that. You have familiar the familiar aesthetic of Gotham City, but it's not it's not soups and capes. It's like, you know, it's the grounded, slightly mob stuff, but more just criminal aspect of it. That I think fleshes out the world um wider because like it all works for this story. But then if you read this in line with everything in the DC universe, it's like, oh, this is what's going on behind Batman, right? Like as Batman's chasing down the mugger. Like Like my favorite show, Powerless. Listen, (laughs) Adam West was on that show. That's the only episode I've seen of it. They went into a Game of Thrones dimension, I think. I don't know. It was weird. What? Yeah. There was like a portal opened up and then they came out. It's like, I am queen of the Ironlands. It was a dumb show. That's why I got canceled. Yeah. Adam West did good in it, though. I'm tapped out. Um, is that because? Well, I guess we'll see in our yeah. negatives. But I, I'm wondering if that's because it's such a simple, straightforward story. Oh yeah, it's so shallow. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't even want to say it's shallow because I feel like if you like Catwoman as a character, which I do, and I kind of like her as a solo character almost more than as a Batman character, because as a Batman character, she's so flat. She's always just like, oh. Are they going to kiss? Are they going to get married? Yeah. Is she going to swing around the city pregnant in her Catwoman suit? <laughs> Thank you, Tom King. <laughs> this is like, okay, now you can actually see her in her element. Like, I, w- I guess. I mean, I feel like I get that from uh, when you when you talk about the are they going to kiss kind of thing. I feel like that's because she exists in modern comic limbo where this is how she is now. Yeah. And she will never progress past this point because characters cannot grow in Western comics. Uh, or if they do grow, they are reset a year later. But then you get like the teeny Howard Catwoman series that's going on right now. Obviously they had to do some weird status quo stuff where she's not her and Batman aren't talking right now. But I like that that solo stuff that's completely removed from Batman um, you got Black Mask and you've got some crime families and stuff, but it's it's her own deal. And I, I just think Selena is such an interesting character to have in Gotham because as much as I love Batman, it is it's pretty black and white with Batman. Mm-hmm. Like Catwoman is much more complicated. And I feel like she can navigate the city in much more interesting ways. Are you saying in this or in general? I think I think in general, if you do her well, and this is a great example of doing her well. Interesting. That's a take. I just want more crime stories, you know? Like, it's not that I dislike Catwoman with Batman. I just, going back to it, I think she's oversimplified a lot of the times. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, same with Harley. Like, I think Harley can oftentimes just be uh, a one-note character. Now, there are some some Batman villains who just aren't, wouldn't be interesting in Mm -hmm. a series, right? Like, I'm not. Where's my Killer Croc solo series? Yeah, it's like, I'm not really out here for the Killer Croc series. But like, yeah, I think there are a lot of a lot of these Gotham characters who could serve to have their own four issue miniseries. Um, I mean, I think you can, yeah, sure, do that. I I think it's it's a thing of where these characters are established as 
they are this hero's rogue gallery and whatnot. So you can only progress them so far, especially in this tangled web that is uh, like the big two editorial where, you know, maybe people aren't paying attention to each other's notes and what's going on in other people's series to where like, uh, I, I, I would, I care for consistent characterization across as over a medium more than I do like an alternate universe of this character becoming like my definitive version or something like that. I'd rather just the, the actual version <laughs> like makes sense across the medium, which this does, this isn't like changing Selena as a character as a whole or anything. Yeah. If anything, but, it's giving her more depth. I, I don't want who's, who's someone I can think of. I don't want like a Mad Hatter alternate like or spinoff where like all of a sudden he has so much depth to him and something and it's just not reflected in anything else. Yeah, it just depends on the character, right? Yeah. Like in in a lot of cases, it has to be a character who has like has a certain sense of morality, mm-hmm. like not lawfulness. But that's why I don't want to read a Joker series because Joker's just evil. Mm-hmm. I don't want a complicated Joker. And that's why the Joker series is a Jim Gordon series. Exactly. Yeah. Like you can have a series around him. Yeah. And even then, like, show me a character like I'll read a punchline series because she's new and I don't know that character. Yeah, and there's nothing about her to yeah. know. Yeah. So you can define it. But yeah, I totally get like with most of the rogues, and I'd say almost any rogues gallery, since they've been around for so many decades, it would be hard to bring them into a series have them feel consistent, but then also have that story being that series be an interesting story. Yeah. They have their hole. They fit already. Yeah. Like, yeah. Joker wouldn't work. Riddler wouldn't work as much as I love penguin. Like, yeah. Like at least there you could do some more mob stuff. And mm -hmm. I think there are more interesting characters you could do that with. So are there any D are there any rogues, whether in Batman or elsewhere, Spider-Man possibly, that you would like to see like a four-issue treatment of? That's That was going to be my big question going into this because I mean, I, I have really no positives. I have really no negatives to talk about with this yeah, book. Yeah. It, 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 it exists solely. It's an entertaining enough read. I'm going to forget about it in a month, but like it's fine. But I think the bigger question is it is nice having these like one-offs to, for a character where, you know, you know me, and uh, my never-ending crisis of is Silk ever going to get another limited series slash solo run? I, I like seeing these these B, C, D listers getting getting something for the fans. And I think I think overall DC and Marvel have been better about it as of late. Well, Marvel helps because whatever C list character gets a TV show, I don't even want to say that because I don't feel like any C list characters really have yet. Because Miss Marvel is pretty big. I guess She Hulk is kind of like a B lister. Yeah. But like whenever they get a series, you get a you get a little mini series of them mm-hmm. of varying qualities. Oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's like the bigger question at hand of is this like a fruitful endeavor of giving them like because there, there's that whole thing of like, well, why aren't we why aren't y'all making books about gosh, who's someone that people love but never get a book about? Where's my wildcat book or something like that? Well, no one buys it. So yeah, that's why yeah. I, it's, it's stuff like that. Of Is this worth it? Or is this like, I don't know, having like freeing a bird that is missing a wing. Like it's, it's going to go like two, two, two feet and then it's going to fall and die. Yeah. Which works about 
that's why it worked here was because that was a terrible uh, <laughs> analogy <laughs> analogy but yeah. that was the best i could come up with off the top of my head well like if you look at material materially uh catwoman already had had a series mm-hmm. with one of like one of the creative teams coming back for this like that that makes sense you're not going to get that from most characters but i feel like there are there are still characters who you could delve into and make interesting like that. I think like I would love to see a solo poison Ivy thing without mm-hmm. Batman, without Harley. Like I like her and Harley together, but I think poison Ivy is such an interesting character, especially with how she shifted from being a pure villain to being a very relatable villain. Yeah. <laughs> that has more to do with like, I hate the word. that has more to do with society of just like, Hmm. Well, maybe maybe saving the planet isn't a bad idea. Well, I also she's feel a bit like, of an extremist. I but. feel like you dive into Harley, and I I don't think that I I recognize all these Batman villains who are have redemptive qualities are all women. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that, um, <laughs> but um, Harley's the same thing. It's like I don't think Harley would get as much positive attention as she does now if like if not. If our opinions about her and her relationship to the Joker didn't evolve as time went on, like I feel like there could easily be a world where female characters stayed as flat as they were in the 90s. Like there wasn't kind of a push from like Gail Simone and other female writers to make female characters more interesting. And then I feel like Harley would always just be the jester in the background. Mm -hmm. And people still want to pigeonhole her into that. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, neither do I. <laughs> but I feel like that's similar societal thing to Poison Ivy, just maybe a little bit less. She's a definitely more underutilized character. Yeah. Like where she's only going to show up in a Harley book nowadays. When was, I'm googling it right now. When did when was the last time she appeared in a Batman book? Oh, she was in um she was in the last of Tinian stuff. Okay, well now that was Harley easy. was there too. Yes. Um, and and and, it, and it's because they were. Like, was it a thing where it was directly related to her? There was, well, it was one of those things where Ivy was just a part of the world, and but to resolve that, Harley needed to be the one to come in. Um, and Tinian also introduced another Ivy-adjacent character named Gardner who helped flesh out Ivy's backstory a little bit. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like... <laughs> Batman's fighting Poison Ivy this week. Yeah, um, the last time they fought. Okay, yeah, the last time they fought, and this is, again, Harley related because she's the one that has to talk her down, was in Tom King's run, like a couple years into that. And I imagine it's very much the same as Tinian's thing. Mm-hmm. Like, Ivy is more of an environmental threat, not just because of the environment, but like a threat within the eco. I can't come up with a word that would work for that. Before that, it was before New 52 and Detective Comics. Like, yeah. But she won't. I don't think she'll ever be a direct villain for Batman. No, I, don't I think, think she, she, as a character, she's definitely evolved past that. Yeah. I'm glad that's a thing that is stuck. Yeah. I, it's, it's a thing I wish more things in comics would stick. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that'll be a shakeup when inevitably the sales keep falling through things. It's a medium yeah. I love, but like there needs to be some reinvigoration in it. Yeah, DC's really interesting right now. I wouldn't mind, especially with all the Dark Crisis stuff going on right now. Sorry, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. Of course. I'd love to see some editorial uh, shakeups. Yeah, like it's not, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, there's still good books coming out, but man, y'all need a meteor to come down 
and they keep trying to manufacture it. Mm-hmm. And they keep hiring Jeff Johns to manufacture it, and it's not going to work. <laughs> and like as much as we love him, Tom Taylor ain't going to be able to do it. Yeah. He's he's a guy who plays in the sandbox. Yeah, like I don't know. I, it, it needs to be a completely fresh voice, possibly like a Darwin Cook. Well, I'm not going to dig up a man from his grave. To no, do but that. that that kind of thing where it's someone coming um who still loves loves the characters, but is coming from a different career background. Mm-hmm. Like maybe maybe something like that would help. Yeah. Anyway, my negative with this book is that uh, Selena is oftentimes tied to a tied to a man in a lot of her stories, and that's the same here with Stark. Uh, it's you know they they used to be a thing and then they weren't and it's one of those things where it's like ah Selena is only defined by the men in her life I think it's it's a good story I here mean, it's yeah. just it plays Again, into a trope I mean she she's just a, a spin on the on a femme fatale like archetype like, oh yeah everything in this is a spin on yeah noir you, can, you can only do so much when it's just a spin on something yeah I um, we were very lucky in the sense that this got collected before Darwin Cook's death, so he wrote like a little bit about each of these stories. And at the end of here, he's like he's listing all the influences. So like Swifty is based off of Burgess Meredith. Uh, uh, Chantal was based off of Pam Greer. Lee Marvin was the basis for Stark. Like all of these are going back to older media and mm-hmm. stuff, um, which I think he does it well enough. That's not a problem. But it definitely does mean that there are a lot of tropes that come up. Yeah, and it's like it's into a whole conversation of our tropes harmful and stuff where it's like, I think it's impossible to Well, they can be. I mean, they definitely can be, yeah. But I, I also think it's impossible to like, move past tropes in this day and age. Well, yeah, tropes are always, tropes and archetypes are always going to be a part of a story. But yeah. I do think you can move past individual tropes. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. In the year of our Lord, 2022 i don't know why we're still having the fridging conversation like why that's still popping up in movies and books and stuff because caleb it's easy motivation you want to know how you get someone to care about something kill someone you like you want to know how you get someone to read a story have a mystery box and you don't know where it's going yeah and it's one of those things where you can acknowledge that individual stories do use those well like i love john wick john wick starts by fridging two people one one by cancer, one by bullet. Yeah. Uh, and the second like, one's a dog. So Yeah. Well, that's the main one. It's like, oh he doesn't start killing people because his wife died of cancer. <laughs> anyway, I, I I feel like it's good to call out tropes. Even like even here, I still enjoy this story, but mm-hmm. you know, it's still good to call out the trope. Yeah. I wish you could say more about it. <laughs> I think we had an interesting conversation around it. Around it. Well, yeah. So. That's, the entire time I'm reading this, I'm like, man, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about. Not related to this book. <laughs> Still. Yeah. I, as long as we get a good conversation yeah, out yeah, of it, yeah, that's yeah. the point of the show. Yeah. Um, and honestly, if we don't go into the minutia of how everything goes, that's fine with me because I want people to go out and read Darwin Cook stories. I want them to go out and read this. The whole collection, uh, Batman Ego and Other Tales, is great. I would highly recommend it. it. This is the big story from it. All the rest are like short one shots. But man, if you want some atmospheric Batman, Darwin Cook delivers. You want to see what I have for you next week? Absolutely. 
Oh, should I recommend? I have a recommendation for if people. Oh yeah, like I, I have a recommendation too. Um, we didn't do that last week. I realized I didn't have a recommendation <laughs> last week, so it's fine. <laughs> um, Batman uh, has, of course, the most famous rogues gallery, but there is another one who has a more literal rogues gallery, and that's the Flash. It's the Rogues. Mm-hmm. So I'm recommending. Uh, the Black Label series right now, Rogues, which is, I believe, two issues in, and it's about some older versions of the Rogues who are all kind of, they've been busted, they've been burnt out and stuff, and they're going for one last big score. They're raiding Gorilla City, um, and it's it's a lot of fun so far. I'm going to recommend uh, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. It was uh, the run Nick Spencer did right before he got brought on to Mainline Amazing. Um, yeah, deals a lot with underutilized characters. Cool, cool. All right, next week. Well, I'm breaking my self-imposed uh, schedule that I've been doing because we're playing a little bit of catch-up after our mishaps with recording last week's episode. So I'm gonna keep it gonna keep it tight, and uh, we're we're basically just uh, going from DC to Marvel. This one, okay. Oh, very literally. Very literally. Yeah, so we're going to be reading uh, Black Cat. By Jeb McKay. Yeah, Grand Theft Marvel. Yes, it was his... He did another run with her, like, right after when they... And for some reason, they renumbered it. Was that the run where she stole Infinity Stones? Okay. Yes. I've heard good things then, or at least about that run, I assume. Uh, He also wrote the uh, Amazing Black Cat and Mary Jane one-shot, which was... Or, no, Black Cat and Mary Jane Beyond. That's what it was, which was amazing. So he's, like, a pre-definitive voice on this character. Yes, extremely. Cool, and cool. I've had this. I bought this comic months ago in preparation to read it, and then forgot I had it. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good time to get back into it. I'm excited. If you've enjoyed what we've had to say, you can recommend us to all your friends and family. You can give us a good recommendation and a five star review on the podcast platform that you're currently listening to this on. Uh, you can also email us at onlyfifty-two-podcasts at gmail.com with your reviews and recommendations. I don't know. I feel like I try to do a spin on this every time, but yeah, just give us recommendations. We're we're good right now but like we always love hearing new stuff that we want to read and we'll be back to you next week with black cat see you then